0: This is Zachary Strebeck, and welcome to Legal Moves. I put out a call for questions in the Dice Tower Guild on Board Game Geek, and the first response was from Benjamin Nicholson. He asked about licensing deals, specifically how a company like Fantasy Flight could have rights to Star Wars board games and miniatures, but they only have the rights to miniatures with Warhammer. So let's talk a little bit about how licensing works and how it can be limited. Before I start, let me explain two quick legal terms. The licensor is the party that owns the intellectual property. The licensee, on the other hand, is the party that's licensing the intellectual property. Now, there's three main points I'd like to talk about when it comes to licensing existing IP rights. These are the scope, the term, and the exclusivity of the licensing agreement. All three have a major effect on what you can and cannot license and what you can do with the license. So the scope of the license is essentially how broad or how narrow the licensing is. In the Fantasy Flight example we talked about before, the scope is very narrow, so they're just licensing miniatures from Warhammer, or they're just doing uh, board and card games. On the other hand, a licensing agreement could have a very broad scope, like Disney's deal with video game maker Electronic Arts. That deal, even though it has confidential terms, has EA making basically all of the Star Wars video games. So if you own an IP, you may pick and choose the scope in order to focus on the licensee's strengths. So if they do great miniatures games, but their card games are terrible, you can restrict the scope of the license to just miniatures. Now, I'll note that I'm not commenting on Fantasy Flight's card games. I actually love them. I'm just using that as an example. The second big consideration in licensing is the term of the license. This is the length of time that the license lasts. In the Electronic Arts Star Wars example I mentioned, the license is for 10 years. So in cases where the licensee knows that it's going to be a lucrative deal, they probably want to secure it for a longer time but they'll probably end up paying more for that longer guaranteed license. So if either of the parties are unsure, they might opt for a shorter term that has either an automatic renewal or an easy way to keep the deal going under the same terms. If you don't plan ahead for these renewals, you may be caught in a poor negotiating position for the next term if the licensing was very successful. The licensor may end up demanding more money in order to renew the contract. For instance, look at what happened with Netflix. Many companies licensed their content to stream on Netflix for very low fees since Netflix streaming was unproven in the beginning. Netflix blew up and their streaming became very popular. Then, content owners like stars tried to get more money out of Netflix to negotiate a renewal. Or, they went with other parties who would offer them more. The third big thing to think about in a licensing deal is exclusivity. A license can either be exclusive or non-exclusive. Exclusive means just that, the licensor can't license that intellectual property to anyone else during the term. Usually, a licensee will pay more for this exclusivity, as it limits the IP owner's ability to exploit their own intellectual property. The licenses may also be limited in scope as to the geographic area, so a licensee like Fantasy Flight may only have the exclusive license to make games in the U.S., while other companies get those rights overseas. It's important that any exclusive licenses don't overlap in the same territory, If they do, it could be big legal trouble for breach of the licensing agreement. If you're giving non-exclusive licenses, this isn't so much of a problem. This is because you can have more than one licensee for the same IP in the same territory at the same time. Now, the big concern for lawyers like me in a situation like this is checking the chain of title on rights ownership and licensing. We need to make sure that there's no overlaps in the licenses and nothing goes outside of the scope that's legally allowed. We do this by looking at all the agreements back to the creation of the intellectual property. Hopefully this helped listeners understand licensing a bit more. I'll try to post a couple more links for further reading and my new website at legalmovespodcast.com. I'm going to be launching a full solo podcast on that site very soon, so subscribe to the RSS feed and you'll be able to listen. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Ztreebeck. I'll see you next time.